Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fansided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We are just at the end of April. The Cubs have played much better baseball. They are currently battling the Los Angeles Dodgers right now in what seems to be a pretty significant series. It seems like a big test for the Cubs. We have roster moves coming up to talk about, other baseball news, so stick around. Got a lot to talk about. Adam, how you doing? Howdy. Doing well. How are you? Oh, just fine. Just fine. Big week this week for me, so uh, getting ready for all that stuff and uh, watching some baseball in between, so been able to keep up with some Cubs games. Let's just go right into it. What's happening now, we're recording this episode right before Cole Hamels delivers his first pitch tonight at Wrigley Field against the Dodgers. Cubs looking to take the series. They won game one last night. Another great outing by Jose Quintana, who we will talk about again. Uh, But right now, I think one of the biggest Cubs stories is Addison Russell. And we talked about Addison Russell a lot on this show. And, you know, we've expressed our feelings on the situation. They're they're very serious and not something to take lightly. But um, as it sounds like, he is reporting to AAA Iowa today. And he's going to spend a week there before he is eligible to return. Now, it doesn't sound like anything's official, but I would imagine that the Cubs are prepared to reinstate him on the Major League roster when he's eligible. Adam, my, my first question for you is this. Uh, before we even look at him you know, playing again, to me, I don't think... He's going to be on this team long-term no matter what. I think with Nico Horner in the weeds down there getting ready, they're pretty high on him. Theo and Jed are pretty high on him. Uh, With a really crowded infield already, I think he is going to be traded at some point, and it could be very soon. What are your thoughts on Russell's longevity with the Cubs going forward, if you have any? Yeah, It's it's hard to say exactly because it it seems like the – the Theo and Jed have been pretty quiet about their long-term intentions for Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, I I could see him being traded pretty soon. I don't know if it'll be this season. Um, I would think that if 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 they want to trade him, I would think that they'd they'd want to get him a season's worth of work in to prove to other teams that he's still a commodity for them. But other than that, it, it I, it's just really hard to say. They they haven't really laid out a roadmap for for what their plans are with Addison Russell. But like you said, it, things look fine in the infield right now. I mean, it would be one thing if there was just a, a glaring need in the infield at the moment. But man, Daniel Descalso has been way better than anyone thought he was going to be, at least mm-hmm. so far. I mean, so it's it's not like. It's not like he's an issue. He's been their most clutch hitter on the team yep. so far. Uh, he's playing well, and Javi Baez obviously is still Javi Baez. So it's it's not like middle infield is a pressing issue at the moment. So I would think that when he does come back, you know, he'll get some spot starts, maybe come in later in games, and they'll just kind of ease him back into some sort of role. But I. I don't see him being an everyday starter right away. I, there, there's just no way that's going to be the case. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing about this is, in my opinion, Javier Baez is the better shortstop. If you just look at a shortstop, I'd rather have Javier Baez in there. Russell may have range, but you've seen his throws to first. Yeah, Look at what Javi does out it's, there. It, yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation, or at least it was before all the controversy, because Addison Russell is a better shortstop than he is a second baseman. Mm-hmm. But but you're right, Javi Baez is a better shortstop than Addison Russell. And on top of that, Baez, I think, is a better shortstop than he's a better second baseman. That could very well be. I mean, it's and he's obvi- he's the more reliable hitter now too. I mean, we used oh, to by think far we used not, to think, not a question. As far as, as batting average and on base goes, we, we pretty much all used to think that Addison Russell was going to be the the more consistent guy, uh, maybe not with as high a ceiling as Baez, but at least with more consistency, and that's turned out to not be the case at all. 
because it looks like Javi Baez is, is is reaching that ceiling, if not extending it. And there is no way in hell you can look me in the eye and tell me that you need to have Baez not playing pretty much every day. He needs to be out there every oh, day. No, that's that's ludicrous. There's yeah, no one should be saying that. Javi Baez is an, it, it, he's an everyday starter, and that's there is no controversy there. No, not at all. And I don't think any Cubs fan would say otherwise. And, and think about this. Let's say you keep Baez at short and you move Russell to second, which is a little weird as it is. Then Daniel Descalso, does he lose time? You you mentioned him. He's Probably. been our most clutch hitter. Wouldn't you want Descalso in there right now as much as possible? Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's that's why I think there's just not much of a chance that Russell is going to be an everyday starter off the bat. And I don't know. It, it could take quite a while for him to to get to that role again. Maybe he doesn't get that role at all this season. Maybe he Maybe he really doesn't establish himself as an everyday starter again in 2019. Uh, I guess maybe they just kind of play it by ear. If Descalso starts slumping really hard, then maybe you start seeing more Russell. But for right now, it looks pretty set the way it is. And things are kind of working right now. They found a little groove, and sometimes you don't want to mess with things when they're working because I think it's worked very nice with Javier short, and then over at second, you can have Zobrist and Descalso over there. And don't forget, too, you have David Bodie on this team. Mm-hmm. And David Bodie has been fantastic so Bodie's far. Been a, a, Bodie's been a good major league player this year. Yeah, I, I think he's exceeded expectations so far. Absolutely. Because I was kind of thinking, okay, you know, here's a guy from AAA who came up. He had some big hits, but kind of fizzled out towards the end of the season is this just kind of another Jake Fox Micah Hoff power type guy but look at the way he's adjusted he looks like a major league player and if Epstein agreed to give him an extension then clearly they saw that potential too yeah yeah he's not just been viable he's just been flat out good he's just been a good ball player so yeah he's earned every penny of that extension I think absolutely and you can't send him down no way. No, absolutely Perhaps not. For and Russell, get out of here. No, he, he's playing. He's playing far too well to be sent down for any reason like that. That's that would be ridiculous. So let's say Russell is reinstated when he's eligible. You got to send somebody down. It's going to be a position player. Who's the odd man out? Mark Zagunis. I feel like that would be the one. That's that's the name that immediately comes to mind. I mean. I suppose they could send down a pitcher, a, a bullpen pitcher, but I really don't see that happening either. No, um, I don't think that should happen right now. Yeah, I mean, you look at this roster of guys, and it, it almost has to be Zagunas, unless maybe you'd, you'd go with Almora. Yeah, I mean, Almora's struggling, but... A little off topic here that you bring up Almora really quick. Do you think Almora ever gets sent down? Because his bat has been non-existent. No, I don't think so. Because I don't think he's been given a fair shot so far Interesting. either. I I think that Albert Almora is the kind of guy that needs more playing time than really? what That's... he's gotten if he's if he's gonna shine. Yeah. So basically, what you're saying is, if he's gonna turn into something, he's got to keep playing major league level. Yeah. Yeah, and and so if if he if they do give him that opportunity, if he becomes more of a regular starter, and we keep seeing the same, you know, he's hitting around two hundred, low two hundreds, then we can talk about sending him down. But for right now, if you're only playing him every few days, then I don't really buy the gripe that he's not doing enough. Well, I think you know right now, there's no doubting Albert Elmore Jr.'s glove is fantastic. Um. To me, so far, he's looked more like a platoon player, and I hope he turns it on. Uh, but uh, he, he's got to start hitting, at least hitting the ball with authority. Everything is on the ground. He does, um, but, but I, I also think they need to give him more at-bats. If they want to see more, I think they need to give him more of an opportunity as well. I think it, it, it kind of goes both ways with Almora right now, in my opinion. 
Well, one thing I will agree with you on this is, is I don't think they're going to send Elmore Jr. to make room for Addison Russell right now. I do not see that happening. No, it's, 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 prob- it's Zagunas. It's probably Zagunas. Yeah, and the thing with Zagunas is you may be asking yourself, oh, why would they send down an outfielder if Russell's an infielder? It, keep in mind, you have Bryant and Zobris that play both infield and outfield. So, yeah. And we really just haven't seen much of Zagunas at all lately. We When's the last time he's even started a game? Yeah, like, it's, it's, I can't remember. It, I feel like it's been since the first few days of the season. Yeah, I, we've seen a few pinch hints here or there, but, uh, you know, we've seen the bat look good with him in a small sample size. Obviously, the defense has not been there. Uh, but there's nobody else you could really send down to make room. Somebody asked me on Twitter saying, do you think that they would trade Russell as soon as he's eligible? I just don't know if the value is there to trade him. That yeah, he has probably not. Played. Yeah, that, I, I, at least that's what I think. I just don't know that teams would be that interested in him. I think they'd probably want to see him play a little bit because it's been a while now since he's played baseball. So I would think if teams were interested, they'd actually want to see if he can kind of pick it back up again. Yeah, I, I think if there is a and even if even if he does, I don't I don't really know that he's all that valuable. I don't know what you could actually get for Addison Russell. Maybe a good bullpen piece. That's I think that's about as much as you could ask for for Addison Russell. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. No, I I don't think there's much value there. I don't think you'd get maybe much more than that. Maybe a prospect. I don't know. Probably a low grade one. Yeah. I mean, if if a contender out there or somebody who's in a race has a lot of injuries and they need a shortstop, then, you know, maybe this is where they look. I look at the Yankees. Everyone and their mother on that team is hurt. That includes some of their infielders. Yeah, their whole lineup is. Because <laughs> now you got Aaron Judge. On top of that, you have Giancarlo Stanton. He's hurt. And I think Gary Sanchez is still hurt. Pretty much all their essential core guys are hurt. Troy yeah. Tulowitzki, he's hurt. Ellsbury's been hurt since the moment he signed with the Yankees, it seems like. Yeah, no kidding. That's That could go down as one of the worst professional contracts ever. There's a lot of bad ones, but that one certainly has not worked out for the Yankees. I remember when that happened and kind of caught the baseball world by storm And you know, since then. You kind of forget he's still on the Yankees, technically. Mm-hmm. Making all that sense? money. He's probably, by now, he's probably in his mid-30s, I would think. Maybe like, I would think, yeah. like 33, 34, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I remember that deal. But, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to see what happens with Russell. Right now, I just I look at the team and just think, I'm good. I'm good with this infield as it is. I like Baez and Escalso yeah. up the middle. I like having Ben Zobris go uh, between outfield and infield or off the bench. I like David Bodie in there when he needs to be. I think it's fine. I don't think we need him. No, they they certainly don't need him. And that the Cubs are really hot right now. They're they're playing their best baseball of the year. Uh, granted, it's the season is really young. It's it's a tiny sample size, but. You know, you go by the first week and a half of the season compared to what they've done lately. They look like a totally different ball club, the pitching especially. Why don't we get into the pitching? Because it has continued to look very good. Let's bring up Jose Quintana again. Yesterday against the Dodgers, he faced one of the most feared lineups in baseball. And he was in complete control most of that game. The one run he gave up was because the home plate umpire missed two blatant strikes that caused the walk Hayward had a rough catch in center field or at least it would have been a rough catch a tough one Mm -hmm. Uh, it popped in and out of his glove that resulted in the first run couldn't be too mad at Q for that and then the second run he gave up uh, got into a bit of a jam but limited the damage in the end he goes seven innings two runs only one walk and the one walk was very debatable so once again his command was fantastic he was mixing his pitches again I mean, he's looking like the real deal right now. Yeah, I, I'll forgive the ump for that botched call, though, because they also gifted Baez with 
a bad call. It was bad all around. That, I don't know. Bad all around. People, people seem to think that that was like a 50-50 call. I think Baez pretty clearly went outside the baseline. I think he should have been called out for that. But oh, I thought you were talking about strike three call then. No, 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 no. I'm talking about last night when he did that uh, juke move or whatever on, on first base and they called him safe. I like to call you know, that the Gale Sayers. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. That's like classic Baez stuff. And it's fun to watch, but I personally, I think that call was wrong. I think he should have been called out. It brought up a lot of interesting conversations. Think, think about, about it. it. Think about it. It's think about it. If the Cubs go to the World Series this year, and it's it's like Game Seven or something in the seventh inning, and the other team gets that exact same call, you're going to be mad about it, right? Oh yeah, probably. I would be. Yeah, I think they got that wrong. Yeah, and it was pretty. It's but we, I mean, they're fortunate. In that it was pretty inconsequential, though, because the I mean the Cubs were going to win that game no matter what. They were they all score big, any runs on that early play, in the so. season. Yeah, if this if it was like a tie game, then then may, we'd be having a different conversation right now. Yeah, absolutely. Now it brought the whole thing brought up a conversation about the rules because I heard several things today. It said three feet allowed from the projected base path of the runner, and I also heard three right. feet from the tagger. See, but here's the thing. I think that that I think that part of that three feet is you can you can run slightly outside the base path, but yeah, you, you have can. to but you have to establish that early on and that has to be a somewhat consistent base path. You can't go straight down the baseline and then all of a sudden turn directly left or right three feet outside the I don't think it works like that. I mean, it's kind of it's the same way, you know, like when you're when you're rounding second, you you don't have to go straight from first to second, but you can't just zigzag all over the place either. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember also uh, that the rules going to first between and then like second, third, or uh, first and second. Obviously, the base pads are a little different. You have a huge diamond going from first to second or second to third, while you know, going from home to first, there's a pretty small lane, which I don't really know how much of a difference it makes in the rule book. But, you know, you know, it looks it looks a lot more obvious that one would go out of the baseline when they're running to first. Does that make sense? Because it's mostly grass and just a small strip of dirt. Yeah. Yeah. In this but there's a nice line. Yeah, in this particular case, I I think that Javi got kind of lucky. He he might have. Yeah, I don't know. I just I could be wrong, but I feel like eight or nine times out of ten, an ump is going to call that now. Yeah, I definitely think other umps would have called it out. But it, hey, it was it was cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it was definitely something that I don't think was very clear. Uh, when I saw when I saw that happen, I thought for sure they were just going to call him out. I'm like, oh, he's out of the base path. And then he's standing at first, and the umpire doesn't move anything. And it's like, wait, they called him safe? Because I thought the second that he juked, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's going to be an out. But no, it wasn't. Yeah, I think they they, they missed on that one. But it, again, it was the score being the way it was. It didn't really matter. And Baez continued to do Baez things last night regardless. Mm-hmm. Hit a home run. He drew a very close walk. That's what I thought you were referencing, you know, at yeah, first. So some of he my, a little of everything. Baez, he's got to be the most exciting player to watch in the league. He's he's not the most talented. He's not the best. He's ne- he's never going to be Trout or Harper even. But my favorite players to watch are the guys that hit singles and and you you know that they always have the potential to turn it into a double. Those kind of guys are my favorite to watch, and that's that's what Baez is. And you, you you just never know. A shallow single could all he could always end up on second base. That's that's a pretty special thing to have. You don't see a lot of those kind of guys. No, you don't. Because how many times have we seen a little blooper that's like, all right, Baez uh, gets on with the single, then all of a sudden he's at second. That's pretty yeah, amazing. I mean, he he's got a pretty he's got a talent for recognizing uh, when when. Hits like that could be trouble for the defense, and he, you can just see it. He he just starts motoring out of the box 
on bloop singles like that because he knows that it, the pressure is on those defenders that if they don't get it in quick, he's going to end up on second. And a lot of times he does. Yes, he does. And Joe Mann just sits back and says, let him do his thing. Yeah, which which I was going to say, which makes me perfectly okay with the, the instances when he does get called out on those. Because I think more often than not, he pulls it off. And just the, the fact that he is the kind of guy who can pull it off, I can totally forgive. You know, you, you, some people will call it a blunder. I think it's it's perfectly fine. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna roll the dice like that, you you have to accept the sometimes the consequences with the rewards. He but is a I, lot more successful than he is at failing at that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. So that's why it's 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 really easy to just brush it off when it doesn't work, because most yeah, of the like, time it does work. Yeah, you remember that game in Miami where he got thrown out? Mm-hmm. And you know it was like well. He would have been safe if his shirt collar yeah. didn't come off in a Castro's glove. Yeah, I mean, if it was if it was somebody like Albert Almora, who isn't, you know, exactly known for his leg work, then it would maybe it'd be a different story. But Baez is the kind of guy I want going for things like that. Yeah, no question, no question. I want him doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of player he is. That's the kind of player he's going to be. And I don't think anything's going to stop him or change his mind. He's going to keep doing it. No. It's it's his instinct. Yeah. He doesn't even think about it. It seems like he just he just does it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. He he's got he's got phenomenal instincts like that. Speaking of good hitting, I think another guy we could talk about continue is uh, Wilson Contreras. He drove in three runs yesterday. Uh, the first inning. Uh, was it Kenta Maeda pitching last night? Yeah, it was Maeda. Yeah, and he was one strike away from getting out of that inning, and he rips the double down the line, drives in three runs. It ends up being the game-winning hit. He continues to work with the bat, and that's a great sign. But let's think about this for a second. With Caratini gone, He's got to have some time off at some point, yes? He can't be playing every yeah. single day. No, and it's uh, it's going to have to be Taylor Davis. I mean, they don't really have they don't really have another option at the moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I th- I think it could work. I mean, you're you're not asking for a ton. I mean, you're you're asking for once every 3 or 4 days at the most. And I don't know. I don't necessarily think that an inexperienced backup catcher is a death sentence for a particular game. I think they can overcome that. They have. They have. They certainly have enough talent throughout their lineup to to be able to, you know, make up for what we would consider a weak spot in Taylor Davis in the lineup. So I, I don't think it's all that bad. But he's he's not the guy you want as your backup catcher for the entire year no either unless he proves unless he proves us wrong i mean i'm not closing the door on that possibility that taylor davis could be a perfectly good backup catcher but i think at the moment it's this is this is considered a short term solution yeah, well we'll have to have a different conversation if it ends up that caratini is going to be out longer than expected Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule coming up, you have two more with the Dodgers, you have three more with Arizona, two against Seattle, three against the Cardinals, and four in Miami. If he plays a few of those games, like he plays in the Arizona series, I'm talking about Taylor Davis, Mm -hmm. plays a few against Miami, they can get by with that. Yeah, they can. And maybe he'll be fine. Maybe he'll be fine because, I mean, if you remember... Not that long ago, we were talking about Victor Caratini the exact same way we're talking about Taylor Davis right now. And it ended up that Caratini was a perfectly fine backup catcher. So I, I'm not willing to, to you know, to just write him off like that just yet. I mean, yeah, maybe he will be fine. I just think the one difference between Caratini and Davis is Caratini has been a notable prospect for some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor Davis is. I think he's like 30, and he's been a career AAA player. So. Yeah, but that 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 should make him want it more than anyone. You know what I mean? He's got he's got an opportunity right now to solidify himself and to actually carve out a real role on the major league team. 
You know, no, I this get is, that. This is this is kind of I, I say the same thing when I talk to I'm a Nebraska and you know that and we um, Nebraska football has a walk on program right where anyone can just try out for the team. You can get invited to try out for the team. And I've always talked about with my buddies, it's those guys who work way harder than the five star recruits because they they come in and, and you know they're a little bit coddled and they think very highly of themselves. It's the blue blood guys who who have to prove themselves that work harder than anybody else. That could be Taylor Davis. And look, because, I hope because, he does because, well. Because when you're a guy like that, without the pedigree, without the hype, the expectations, you the leash is shorter. You have to you have to produce or your time is up. Yeah, I mean look, I hope the guy does well and he's worked his butt off. I like him as a person. And I think it's okay if he plays a few games over the next few weeks. But where my concern comes in is because you don't have Caratini, is that going to have Joe play Wilson Contreras more? Naturally, yeah, probably. I don't think that he should. Obviously, you can't you can't overwork the guy. I mean, that was one of our biggest things going into this season. Uh, is that Wilson Contreras needs to be monitored a little bit closer because they just worked him into the ground right, last year. Right, and that's year. the thing. But if yeah, you had Caratini, we would I, see more days off already. I think, yeah, I think that is an unfortunate side effect of losing Caratini is that Wilson, for now, is probably going to have to work a little bit more than they wanted him to. Right. But that, that should change, though. That Hopefully that changes Either Davis plays well and he can afford Wilson the days off that he needs, or the Cubs are going to have to start looking on the outside for a solution to that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think Taylor Davis would catch a guy like John Lester, or do you think he would yeah. catch a guy like uh, Kyle Hendricks? Well, where do you see him catching? I mean, I think he probably could catch any of these guys, but I, I, I don't know. I mean. Lester has established enough of a rapport with Contreras now that I I don't think you'd probably see. Uh, I mean, barring like a minor injury before Lester's start, I don't think you're going to see anybody but Contreras catching Lester. I agree for right now, but yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see him catching somebody like Hamels or Hendricks. Yeah, I mean, you saw what happened when Contreras first started catching John Lester because, as you and I know. John Lester has worked with David Ross all those years. And in 2017, when it first started, you saw some growing pains. You could clearly mm-hmm. see some frustration in John Lester. They weren't always on the same page, but they've been able to work through things. That's just kind of part of building chemistry. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm definitely with you that he wouldn't catch a guy like John Lester, who it sounds like is going to come back for the finale of this Dodgers series. Yeah, that's what we've heard. You know what? Maybe get Kyle Schwarber in some catcher's gear every once in a while. I don't know. Uh, he can do it. He, he can do it. No. Not I mean, after that. Was, not after that brought tornado. Up as a catcher. Not after that tornado. That is the last thing I want to see Schwarber doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. I'm, I'm not. I, I don't want to see that either. I'd rather have Daniel Descalso catching than Kyle Schwarber. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. I I'd rather hobby catching. I think Zagunas can catch, too. I think Zagunas was a catcher at one point. I feel like he was, too. You may be right on that. Yeah. Hey, maybe he could be the new super utility guy, Mark yeah, Zagunas. But, I mean, if, if we're talking about guys like Schwarber and Zagunas catch, that's like emergency situation, you know. That's not – you don't want to pre-plan those guys having to catch a game. I know you won't get this reference, but for all my hockey listeners out there, that was like when Scott Foster had to come in and play emergency goaltender for the Blackhawks when both your goalies get hurt. It's like having a guy from the press box come in or having your goalie coach suit up and come in. You don't want that. Yeah, I just don't. I don't Yeah, I don't get your hockey ref. I wish I could get into hockey. I do. Because, I mean, hockey seems really cool and interesting it's to me. It's amazing. It's just when I, wa- when I watch it on TV – I can barely keep track of where the puck is at, which has always frustrated me. I've only been to one live hockey game, too, and I had a hard time following where things were actually at there, too. But the sport I, the sport is cool. 
And I love the fact that those guys just beat the ever-loving crap out of each other, and then that's just like part of the game. That's pretty neat. I gotta ask you, what uh, hockey game did you go to? The one you said you went to? Uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a professional hockey game. It was like a uh, whatever you would call minor league version of hockey here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think Lincoln Stars is the name of the team. So it is just like small small league hockey. Okay, so a, it's not even like American Hockey League or. I don't know if that's ECHL. I don't know. Uh, um, let me Google the team. Yeah. Find out what league it was. Uh, I know there's NHL and AHL, but ECHL, I I know a few teams there. But, you know, with, with minor league hockey, they're always changing. Teams are always changing. So the Lincoln Stars are USHL. Oh, USHL. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hockey leagues out there, and I think one of the coolest things about hockey is that there's a lot of interest in, like, youth hockey, college hockey, that even though it doesn't get talked about, it's it's good stuff to watch. It really is. Uh, it, was and, fun. it was still fun. I didn't really know what was going on for a lot of it, but the atmosphere was cool, and people were into it. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, it's a great sport, and here in Chicago, we were spoiled with the dynasty this past decade with the Blackhawks. I mean, those those deep playoff runs were just, they were magical, and it brought Chicago hockey back to life, because Chicago is one of the oldest hockey markets, I mean, they're part of the original six in the NHL, and they had fallen on such tough times with a, a terrible old owner who wouldn't show games on TV, and then when his son took over and helped the team that was already rebuilding kind of put the finishing touches on everything, that's when it all came together again. You know, you could get, there's a lot of parallels between the Blackhawks and the Cubs, the way they rebuilt. There's obviously a lot of big differences, some interesting parallels. Kind of like the first year they were coming back into contention, just like the Cubs, the Blackhawks made it to the conference-slash-league final, a few wins away from going to the final-slash-world series and getting eliminated by one of their rivals. For the Hawks, it was the Red Wings. For the Cubs, it was the Mets. And then the next year, they won it all. A lot of interesting parallels, if you look at it. But yeah, right. the, the Cubs' rebuild was much more publicized because the Cubs are always right. big no matter what, while the Blackhawks... They got relevant again that year they got good again. The games were put back on TV. Old Man Wirtz was gone, and the sun was back in, and they hired John McDonough, and they did all this stuff to mark themselves again. But the Cubs' rebuild was always under, you know, the national media. And also, the Blackhawks had the longest cup drought when they won, and the Cubs had the longest World Series drought. So, some interesting parallels. Yeah, that's I'm going to have to make it my goal to get into hockey a little bit. One of my one of my good friends is Canadian. He's super into hockey. Be be good to be able to talk about hockey with him. We give him a lot of grief though for being Canadian. What team does he root for? Uh I think uh Toronto and Winnipeg, I believe Ooh. there is too. Ooh, that's rough. Both lost in the first round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 fun to make fun of Canadian people, though. I'm sorry to all the Canadian listeners, but like that, there's two countries you can be from where you're you're just setting yourself up to be made fun of: Canada and France. You know who's Canadian that I didn't really realize is cool. Ferguson Jenkins. Really, Fergie's Canadian? Yes, he is. Oh man. Yeah, I did not know that. And I think yesterday was the anniversary of him coming to the Cubs. When he came to the Cubs, it, I don't think he was really well-known. He was much younger, and then okay. he turned into a Hall of Famer. Wow, yeah, I, did, I didn't know that. I mean, I Canada, Canada's cool. At least they, they get made fun of for being too nice. Like, if you're going to get made fun of for anything, at least it's, it's a good thing for being too nice. And I'd love to visit Canada someday, too, because the... It, like, it's just a cool place from pictures I've seen. But I still want to see France, and I do like their food. I don't know if I've ever really had. had French food. What What do you consider French food? Well, like pizza. Uh, French bread, uh, crepes, like authentic French crepes. Um, 
you know, I haven't had that much French food, but uh, like French cheese, French wine. Mm, not a big wine guy. Are you a big cheese guy? I mean, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. My sister is. My sister is super into like the fancy cheese plates and stuff like that and trying mm. all sorts of different cheeses like that. I, I, I mean, I like that stuff, but it isn't really like – I like cheese as far as, you know, I put – cheese on my burger but i'm not like a fancy cheese guy either yeah I, I some cheeses are an acquired taste just, and you just know not some a... french cheeses are very strong are you a wine guy some wines i'm really i'm really not i i've i've definitely had some wines that i liked but i never really felt like well, i could really go for a glass of wine but you know i'm only 23 though too so I, that could change i mean there was a point in my life where i didn't think anything was more disgusting than coffee and now I easily could drink two pots a day. Yeah, I still don't like coffee. Oh, really? No. It's I like coffee-flavored ice cream, but just coffee, I don't really like hot drinks. I just don't. Huh. Dude, it's – I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, I was like you at one point where I didn't like coffee. Once you start drinking coffee in the morning, there's no going back. That's kind of why I don't want to get into it. But it's amazing, though. Like, I, I genuinely, every day, I've been drinking coffee for years now, and still every day I genuinely look forward to that first cup of coffee. It's, I just like, the, feel, it's like the best feeling of the day. I just the, don't want to get addicted too. to it. The smell is like amazing. The smell. I you do probably like the already smell. are. You probably already are. I mean, do you, you drink pop? I don't know. I do. Yeah, I mean, you probably already have some kind of caffeine addiction. That it's, is it's a, a good it's a, it's a good addiction to have. It's a socially acceptable addiction to have to caffeine. I will admit that is a problem with me as pop. I love it way too much. Well, there you go. So now you have some incentive to switch to coffee because drinking coffee instead of pop every day would be healthier for you. I don't drink pop in the morning though, so I'll say that. Okay. Yeah, I I, th- I think you need to hop on the coffee train, and it's mm-hmm. gonna. You'd be amazed. We'll see. I was reluctant, too. I, at one point, did not see the light. So I mean, at least it's not taking five-hour energy, right? Because I've heard that's yeah. disgusting. No, I, yeah, I've tried five-hour energy a couple times. It's 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 gross, and I don't really – I don't know how well it works. I don't know if it, if it really gives you that much of a boost or if it's just like a little bit of a, a boost and a little bit of placebo effect. Yeah. But uh yeah, I I don't know. I would much I would much rather have coffee than five hour energy. I don't I mean that I could understand. I I think I'd scare I'd me too. Before. Like I'd I'd be scared that a five hour energy is gonna like give me a heart attack or something. I know. Yeah, I hear you. I kind of feel the same way. Uh yeah. It That's just why it I would me. I would never energy I hate energy drinks. I tried a few energy drinks when I was a lot younger, like in middle school, high school. And I, even then, I didn't think they tasted very good at all. It, it kind of blows my mind how how into energy drinks some people are. You know, I don't really care for energy drinks either. And I feel like the energy drink craze has kind of died down a little bit. That's good because they're gross. I really just think they're gross. And those those things school, it felt like everyone was drinking Monster. Yeah, Monster. And you got to be careful with that stuff, I think. Yeah, you, I mean, do. you can't you can't drink you can't drink a bunch a bunch of Monsters like you could drink a bunch of Mountain Dews. It that that'll give you a heart attack if you start chugging Monsters. And I mean that's that's what? Sugar and caffeine basically. Yeah, it's just like pure sugar and caffeine. It's like Mountain Dew on steroids. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you think just the word energy drink implies that it's it might be good for you, gives you energy, but it couldn't be further from the truth. No. It's kind of like when you say Panera Bread is health food. It no. is not. No, it's chock full of calories, yeah. The sodium level in most of those dishes is through the roof. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's a mistake. You don't don't eat at a place like Panera or Subway all the time because you think it's healthy. That's, yeah, no, it's not. Like all the Subway healthy eating campaigns are just total bogus. There's, you're not eating healthy if you're eating at Subway. Unless you're eating you get, at Sub. 
you're eating at Subway because you want good food because that's what you want in that moment. Like, don't kid yourselves. You're not on a diet if you're eating at Subway or Panera. No, I mean, if you're going to go to Subway and try to be quote-unquote healthy, you need to get, like, a six-inch veggie sandwich. And even so, if you're putting a bunch of, like, dressings on that, that kills you. Yeah, what what what's what the hell is the point of of spending ten dollars on a veggie sandwich? <laughs> right. I don't know. If you're gonna go out and order food, you might as well get something that's good because no matter what you're gonna get, it's not gonna be good for you. It's the toughest thing is actually going out and finding healthy food that's actually healthy because there's just not a whole lot of it. If you go to a bunch of places and order a salad, the dressing is like a god knows how many calories on that. Yeah. I I don't know. I I envy people who genuinely like vegetables. I mean, I, I eat them occasionally and if I'm, you know, eating with family, then I then I eat them there too just cuz I don't want to look like a 5-year-old who doesn't want to eat green stuff. But I I really am super jealous of people who actually enjoy the taste of vegetables because well, I don't. Well, then be jealous of me then because I love vegetables. Really? Mm-hmm. Like my my grandma loves the taste of asparagus, loves it, and it just blows my mind. I just don't get it. Asparagus is not my give favorite. Sla- give me a slab of meat over some asparagus any day. And, oh, man, there's nothing worse in this world than cooked carrots. <laughs> Cooked carrots I, are so gross. I Any cooked raw carrots silly. overcooked. There's nothing special about a raw carrot either. I mean, I'll eat it. It doesn't taste bad, but I've never, ever, ever had a moment in my life where I was like, oh, man, I could really go for a carrot right now. Yeah, I don't mind them every now and then. The vegetables I like are lettuce and onions and cucumbers uh, and broccoli. I, broccoli and cauliflower, I got to admit, and spinach. Love all those. Gross. Gross. What do you think? Yeah, kind of, I guess. Well, at least you admit it. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. I like I like some. I like tomatoes. I guess tomato technically is a fruit, though. Yeah, but it goes with vegetables often. Yeah, it, you wouldn't, taste-wise, you don't think of it as a fruit. No. Where are we going with this? <laughs> I don't know. We go out on these tangents all every single week, and we can never remember what we were talking about that we were actually supposed to be talking about. Well, I mean, to get back to the Cubs, why don't we get back to the Cubs? Yeah, what were we talking about, though? How did we go from Cubs to vegetables are gross? Well, what, what happened was I brought up hockey. I made a hockey analogy. Okay. And then... You went into France and Oh, yeah, I made fun of French people, yeah. And then I brought up their food, and then we just got talking about food, and there we were. Okay. All right, yeah, I guess I kind of vaguely remember that, even though it was only like 10 minutes ago. You're right. But in Canada, big news from Canada, we're finally going to see Vlad Guerrero Jr. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that's big baseball news right there. I mean, he's been the number one ranked prospect for how long now? At least since the off season. A lot of people are talking about him, not just because of his talent, but because of his pedigree, uh, who his father is, one of the greatest hitters of all time. So this is an exciting moment for baseball. Even if you're not a Blue Jays fan, you look forward to these kinds of things. You want to see the future come up. I'll never forget in 2010, when Steven Strasburg came to the big leagues, it was the fullest I'd ever seen Nationals Park. It was the first time ever I saw the Nationals on national television, but I was hyped for it. And this is another case. I'm ready to see yeah. what this kid can do. Are, are, do you think he's do you think he's going to be one of the uh, a superstar in the league? I think he's got a chance to be. I yeah I I don't know I I hope he is it's it's he's been a, a big name for a while now I wonder if his size I've I've seen things about his size being a potential issue something that the Blue Jays have monitored because if if you if anyone's seen Vlad Guerrero Jr. he's not built like his dad no he's not at all he's he's much shorter and he's he's got he's kind of weighty too he he looks he looks more like Kyle Schwarber, when Schwarber first came up with the Cubs, then he looks like Vlad Sr. 
And so I, I know that they've said in the past that they've they've had to work with him on his conditioning. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it's it's exciting. It's always exciting when a top prospect like that comes up. Absolutely. Here's an interesting question for you, just baseball in general. When was the last time we saw a huge hyped prospect like Vlad Jr., like Eloy Jimenez, like Fernando Tetis Jr.? We saw that happen, and he just fizzled out really fast because it happens. Oh, yeah. But one, what was the last big one? You know... I, I don't think – he's not necessarily the last one. It's probably happened since, but Addison Russell's got to be up there because when Addison Russell was first coming up, there there were blue check journalists talking high, as highly of him, if not higher, than Chris Bryant. People saying that this guy is the real deal and he could be the superstar on the team and not Chris Bryant. And boy, has that not happened. Billy Bean, when he was on the phone with Epstein, told them, congratulations, we just gave you Barry Larkin 2.0. Yeah, Paraphrasing, of course. Yeah, Addison Russell was supposed to be one of the faces of the league, a big superstar like that. Mm -hmm. With everything, fielding, Mm -hmm. power, on base, all of it. Yeah, and now he's just, he's a good defender who hits the Mendoza line, and that's about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. With a ton of off-field problems. Yeah. Yep. It goes to show that nothing really is guaranteed. Now, here's an interesting uh, one to remember. He's not a bust by any means, but Jason Hayward, you know, he's had a very solid career overall. Uh, He was an all-star his rookie year. He's had a number of good seasons. He's having a good season so far. But do you remember when he was coming up, he was supposed to be the next big thing. Yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't uh I wouldn't put Jason Hayward on that list because he he oh, has no, had, no, no, he's no. had a very nice MLB career and you don't you don't get a, a huge contract like that unless you you actually proved yourself in some way. Obviously, he hasn't lived up to that contract uh fully, but uh no, I wouldn't Jason Hayward, I wouldn't call him a bust. No, again, he's not a bust. I'm just yeah. saying that you can see guys work out like they're supposed to Guys bust out, and guys not quite be what they were supposed to be, but still good. That's where Jason mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, maybe somebody like Steven Matz. Matz is, you know, I think he's been okay, but he was supposed to be an ace-level starter. Yeah, he's kind of in that middle as well. I mean, um, you remember when the Mets, at one point, people were like, oh, my God, the Mets have four guys in their rotation that could be aces on different teams. People were saying they were going to be the next dynasty of the National League with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that rotation was supposed to be like next level stuff. That never really happened at all. N- too many injuries. Yeah, way too many injuries. I mean, not just oh. to the staff, but to the whole team. You know what? It's somebody I just thought of uh, for Nebraska ties, Bubba Starling. Bubba Starling. That's a yeah. name I haven't heard in a while. Mm-hmm. Well, and because he was initially he was going to play Husker football instead, and, but and he he chose instead to to sign with the Royals. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was going to play football for the Cornhuskers, but he 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 went the baseball route instead, and he's just kind of been a career minor leaguer. Yeah, remember Mark Appel, who was mm, drafted oh, right before Chris Bryant. Yeah, that's that's a that's that <laughs> the Astros. I would think are going to have a hard time thinking about Chris Bryant for the rest of their existence. It hurts a lot less for them knowing the team that they've built now, but yeah, that was uh that will go down as something very interesting uh, because you know, it's funny. I was a, I think I was a senior in high school or a college freshman when Chris Bryant was drafted. And I said, we need pitching. Oh my God, we need pitching. And when yeah. Mark Appel was taken, I was upset. Yeah, that's oh, thank sure. God it worked out the way it did. You know, there's there's another person I thought of here, and he's on the, he's in the Cubs organization, who fits this bill perfectly. Oh, yeah. Can you think of him? I, maybe he got cut, but he he was on the Cubs. 
preseason. Was it Eddie Martinez? Nope. Nope. No, that was an international signing. Nope. Another guess you want me to just tell you? Um, was it uh, De La Cruz? Nope. Who was it? Danny Holson. Oh my God, I forgot about him. Yep, yep. He was he was he's going to be trying to make his his major league comeback. He was the second overall pick, uh, in whatever year he was taken, like t- 2010 or 11. Wow, I I compl- yeah. I I didn't even know he was in the organization. Yeah, that recent. Mm-hmm. Man, Danny Holson. Remember Brett Jackson and Josh Vitters? Josh Vitters, yeah. Wasn't he taken? He was taken right before somebody big. I think it was in, oh, it was in the Hendry years. I know that. And then Jackson was taken in 2009. But, yeah, I remember them playing very little, and then that was it. But Vitters was once one of their biggest prospects. Yeah, it's unfortunate part of the business. Yeah, some guys surprise, some guys don't work out. Yeah. Mark Appel's got to be number one on that list, though, for sure. Yeah, he never even saw the majors. I don't think yeah. he even made it to, like, triple-A ball. Well, or if he, he did, he it wasn't was, very He was long. number one overall, right? That was Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. That's that's rough with Chris Bryant going after <laughs> Yes, it is. But, uh, again, like I said, they've had another few drafts where they've hit pretty good. So, Boy, can you, know, you the, imagine? Can you imagine if they'd taken Bryant and the Cubs ended up going with Appel? Boy. Would things be different right now? Would they have a World Series? I don't think so. 2016? I don't think so either. I don't either. think so. I do not think so. I I don't think that they would even be near the force that they would be now or were in 2015-2016. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about taking the MVP of the National League off the team in 2016. Yeah, exactly. And before that, Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. A guy who hit 26 home runs. And before that, the Minor League Player of the Year. And before that, the NCAA Player of the Year. That was a, That's an amazing four-year stretch, going College Player of the Year, Minor League Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, MVP. That's a hell of a trajectory. <laughs> While we're on this conversation, I think one of the things that a lot of people are talking about right now uh, is the fact that Bryant is struggling. And I'm frustrated, too. I'm sure he is. And sometimes I just scratch my head, and I pray that it's nothing more serious, like a physical ailment. We know he's had the shoulder issues. We know he was hit in the head. Uh, so I hope it's nothing like that. But seeing takes of him being a bust, how on earth can you even go there? No. That's, yeah, that's absolute, that's asinine. That's just people wanting that to be true so they can say, oh, right, I got you, told you. I mean, even if Bryant did fizzle out, which I don't think is going to happen, I'm not saying it will. I am not saying that at all because I still think he's one of the best players in baseball. But even if he did, he still was an MVP that was a World Series hero and brought us that ring Mm -hmm. so you can't have any regrets about chris bryant at all yeah i mean it's it's april yeah it's 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 april the guy the guy is uh he's he's like a 280-ish career hitter with a way way higher than average on base percentage great slugging percentage uh home runs not quite as many as we expected but overall still a star level player. His career numbers are star level. So I yeah, I I based on that I don't know how in your right mind you could call him a bust. No. I mean God no. Farthest thing from And all and indications look, are that he's healthy right now. We haven't seen anything that would indicate he's got some sort of injury and the Cubs I think are, are pretty good about they don't keep things like that in the dark. I think if Chris Bryant was dealing with some sort of injury we would know about it. So I, I I think we could just chalk this up to nothing more than 
you know, maybe just some early season rust struggles, whatever you want to call it. But I, I'm pretty confident he'll bounce back. I'm not overly worried about him at the moment. And I don't think the Cubs organization is very worried either because they kind of keep just putting him in his usual position and just kind of letting things work out for themselves. And I think that says enough to me that the Cubs organization feels full confidence in yeah. Chris Bryant. Well, and they're winning ball games right now too. They're they're as a team they're playing really well. And if if they hadn't turned things around this in this early season and they only had like four or five wins on the year and they were already 10 games behind the Cardinals and Brewers, then we'd maybe we'd have a different tone about it. But it's not like Chris Bryant is like dragging the team down or anything like that. So it's I think right now there's no reason to, to panic. Yeah, again, there's a little frustration, but I'm not panicking. I keep reminding people this. Chris Bryant last year, before he got hurt, was on the path to being an MVP caliber player. Mm-hmm. You look at that first month, he was putting up MVP-like numbers. Yeah, I think there, there's there's reason to believe that when he is when he isn't totally healthy, uh, he can be that guy, or at least he will be that guy. I mean, even when he when he's when he's healthy, he he has he's streaky. You know, even in his MVP season, he, he has moments, uh, you know, a week or two, three, where he's just not doing much of anything. And that's, you know, the same can be said of most stars in the league. You can't, you know, nobody's nobody's an MVP player from start to finish with no 0 for 4 days, anything like that, you know. I mean, even Christian Yelich can't hit the ball away from uh, Miller Park. Does he even have a hit in that Cardinals series at Bush Stadium? I don't think he does. I don't know. I don't know. I just yeah. know he's not been good on the road. No, he hasn't hit a home run on the road yet. Yeah. 13 home That's runs, all nuts. of them are at Miller Park. That's pretty nuts. Do you buy into any of the conspiracies? Because I don't yet. There's conspiracies? Yeah, you haven't You're heard? already catching me off guard, no. With Yelich? About stealing signs? You steal... <laughs> really? Yeah, because back in the 70s... I think it was – I can't remember who, who said it, but somebody found out that Bernie Brewer back at old Fulton County Stadium – or no, that was Atlanta, just Milwaukee County Stadium, sorry uh, – that Bernie Brewer was stealing signs. And now they're thinking that they're stealing signs out in Miller Park. I don't know if I buy that. I just think that uh, Christian Yelich has adjusted himself to be such a flyball hitter and – Miller Park, with the dome closed versus open, that could be a pretty hitter-friendly place. Yeah, I don't buy it. It's, that's stupid. And I don't buy the Royds thing either because... No, he, does, he doesn't look like no. a Royds guy. Well, I mean, I guess D. Gordon didn't either, but... Nah, I don't Well, wasn't that so. just an illegal hormone? I mean, there's a difference between just flout steroids and, like, hormones... Yeah, I don't I don't remember exactly what the case was. Whatever it is, there you can't I'm not ever willing to give the player the benefit of the doubt. The the I didn't know what I was putting in my body excuse doesn't fly for me because you you should never accidentally take an illegal substance as an MLB player because you know, you know going into the league how closely monitored that stuff is and you should know the list of stuff that you can't take, like the back of your hand. That should, Especially you should, now. Yeah, you should never, ever accidentally take something you're not supposed to take. That excuse will never fly for me because that, I mean, it, here's the thing. Here's what I would do. If I was an MLB player, if I was, if I'm taking, uh, you know, like supplements, stuff like that, which I, I'm not a big fan of that kind of crap anyway. I think that like that GNC stuff you get, I think you, they just peddle a bunch of crap. Uh, I would talk to my agent before I take any of that kind of stuff. I would say, yeah. listen, I'm thinking about taking something, a supplement like this for strength and conditioning. Is it on the list of banned substances? That's what I would be doing. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I would not take – even if you don't know, even if it's still an accident, it's on you for negligence, for not doing the research to make sure. Yeah, you really got to be on top of that nowadays because yeah. they check for all of that. Because uh, who, it's not the who, early was it, uh, 
who was it? Was it somebody for the Mariners? It was last year or two years ago who got caught taking a substance? I can't remember who it was, but it, it, it wasn't actually a steroid. But what it was was a drug that makes it harder to detect if you've taken steroids. It was furosemide, but I can't remember who it was that got busted for that. Oh, I want to say it was somebody on the Mariners, but I was can't. it Nelson Cruz? It was Nelson Cruz. Yeah, it was Nelson Cruz. It was furosemide, which isn't a performance enhancing substance, but it, it helps mask if you've taken PEDs. Yeah, now I remember that. Yeah, yeah, kind of forgot about that because there's some guys who you kind of go back and say, "Oh yeah, he got in trouble for substance abuse." Mm-hmm. You kind of forget about it. It's easy how people forget about it, but you know. yeah. So that's what I would do. I would I would be going to my agent and saying, "Listen, I'm, I might take this. Make sure it's not on the list of banned substances." Yeah, I'm with you there. All right. So for the last few minutes of this show, we've gone on so many tangents. It's kind of funny. Um, do you have a former Cub you would like to talk about? I'm kind of hmm. putting you on the spot, but yeah, I, really, uh, I really don't because I did we I think we skipped it last week. We may have. We, I don't know that we did it. I I really don't. I didn't think of anybody. You wanna you wanna go for me? Okay. Then you'll just bring one next week then. Yeah. Okay. So ask me this: Would you like to see one that you've seen in your lifetime, kind of before your lifetime, or go way back? Um, I'm, I'm feeling some somebody that I've seen in my lifetime. That's a that's a much smaller pool, but. Let's let's go with somebody we can both remember watching personally. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right. The guy we will discuss today is drumroll please. Reed Johnson. Remember yeah. him? Yeah. I, I loved Reed Johnson. Yeah. One of the best outfielders that we saw last decade. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. But don't you remember? He was a great defender. Yeah, he's that. That's got to be a little bit of a stretch. One of the best outfielders of the last decade, Reed Johnson. Defend, defensively, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Who, maybe who's so. better? <laughs> Probably a lot of people. Like. I don't know. It just really Reed Johnson. Reed Johnson was a good hitter. Didn't walk a lot, but he, he hit the ball. Had a I long mean, career. He wasn't an, he wasn't an everyday player, but when that guy defended, that guy made diving catch after home run rob mercilessly. He was an everyday guy with the Blue Jays for a while. Well, that was before the Cubs, I believe. Yeah. Well, with the Cubs, he was. More of a platoon guy. Uh, he had two different stints with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one is he was on the 08 team. Then he was, I think, on the Dodgers. And then he came back for a few years. And I think I was at his last game as a Cub. It was against the Marlins. And he made a two-run double-saving catch, a diving catch out in right field. It was kind of fitting for him to go out that way. But the guy, I, the, the play I remember most from Reed Johnson was – the Prince Fielder robbery on Easter in 2009 at Miller Park. Do you remember that? Mm, I wish I could say I did. But... He robbed Prince Fielder of a Grand Slam. Jumped up, took it away. Look it up on YouTube. I will do that. But yeah, he was uh, he was a guy that always put in good effort, played max effort no matter what. Random memory I have of him was... He hit a walk-off home run against the Padres in game one of a doubleheader in early 2011. And there was maybe 8,000 people in the stands, if that many. The bleachers Oof. were, like, completely empty. But it was a day-night doubleheader because there was a rain delay, I think, the day before. So there was nobody there. It w- there was more gulls in the bleachers than there were people. But he just hit a line drive rocket right over the wall. Again, I don't know why I remember that, but I do. Yeah, I mean, at, at least at least you brought up a Cub that I, I actually remember. What was it like three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago? You brought you somebody I'd never even heard of. Oh, was it Dave Sapelt? 
Yeah, I think it probably was. Yeah, well, Which, I guess that probably that just makes you a bigger Cubs fan than me that you remember these obscure guys. But well, uh, at I least at least I remember on obscure guys. Yeah, that's like your thing is obscure past Cubs. Marcos Mateo, Jay Chapman. Uh, I mean, don't don't you have like a whole series, like article series on former Cubs, don't you? Yeah, I used to write for Wrigley Report a lot, and I would do a, a lot of former Cub like exploration. You know, some mm-hmm. are obviously big, big names. Yeah, and some are a bit more obscure. So I kind of like to mix things up a bit. Respect it's that. Fun. I'll have to do, I like to do it on Twitter too. Just tweet about random guys, random resurrect cubs. that with the with the crib. I have done a few of those with the crib. Uh, I did an article five cubs. You forgot were cubs. I think we talked about that on this show. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely do want to do more of that stuff again because do, just doing the research is fun. You look yeah. at the stats. You look at guys like oh yeah, he did this. Yeah, I agree. In any article I write, the, the research is actually fun because you, you you end up learning something that kind of shocks you in a way. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, for the sure. Ground, I know. Well, we're just about out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. This was definitely an interesting episode. We went on a number of tangents, but hey, you know, sometimes that's what makes podcasts fun. He's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. We'll talk to you next week.